Wow. Thank you all for, uh, well, it's not often I get invited back. So um, I, I imagine you guys were talking, you're like, well, if he's in just a little bit like Creighton, he's going to be all right. So um, I, I'm so happy to be here. And, and I'm going to tell you, I've said this before, I'll say it again. Uh, you guys, you really are blessed to have uh, my dad as, uh, as a preacher uh, here at this church. And the way he talks about y'all, he's blessed to have all of you in his life as well. And uh, so, yeah, as, uh, as he mentioned, uh, my wife, uh, Lindsay, and I, uh, we were uh, missionaries in Puerto Rico uh, for almost nine years. And, uh, man, it was, it was a pretty incredible journey. Um, and I want to share a little bit about that today. Uh, but first, I want to tell you a little bit about what we did while we were there. Uh, so we both went down to, uh, to teach at Puerto Rico Christian School. And so I was teaching high school uh, Bible classes, and she was handling a lot of the, the English and, and other uh, um, curriculum. She did Bible as well for the, the elementary uh, ages. And um, we, it wasn't long, and the church, Tua Baja Christian Church, asked me if I would uh, be willing to start preaching there as well. And so uh, I kind of uh, co-pastored there at the church alongside of a, a gentleman from North Carolina. And um, it, it was a great mission. We, we spent time in people's homes. Uh, I coached basketball for a while. Uh, Lindsay did Bible studies with the girls all the time. Uh, we've seen, you know, more than 40-some people uh, get baptized uh, just through, directly through our uh, portion of the ministry. Uh, the church uh, went from when we got there was, oh, goodness, you know, 15, 18 people. Uh, there was one time our largest was 105 uh, in a room with 55 seats. And uh, so it was a really, really cool uh, nine years. I think we grew tremendously uh, in that time there. Uh, you know, it was, it was uh, we live in Chesterton, Indiana now. Lindsay was born and raised in Chesterton. And it was two things that I told God when I went to Bible college. I told God two things. I said, number one, I am not marrying a girl from outside the state of Virginia, uh, which is where I grew up. And the other thing I said, I said, I'm not going on the mission field. And you don't tell God what you're going to, what you want, and you're just going to do what he says to do. And I want to tell you, my life has uh, so uh, been enriched because of listening to him and following him. And uh, when we were getting ready to leave Puerto Rico, we had, we had three children that were born in Puerto Rico. And we started kind of getting pulled out of the, the ministry more and more uh, with, the, with the kids. And so we were praying about being released from our calling uh, to be down there. And uh, when we were going to move to Chesterton to be close to family, um, we, we knew it was okay because the, the Bible teachers in the school were all American. And as we were leaving, uh, you kind of realized, wow, you know, one of the things that we had worked on while we were there was training up uh, Puerto Ricans to take over uh, all the Bible classes. And so once I realized that if I would have stepped out, uh, a gentleman named Josue Lopez was going to be taking over um, my classes, I, I knew. I said, this, they're in good hands. It's going to be okay for us to go. And so uh, we, we came back to Chesterton, which is just about an hour east of here. And uh, there was a passage of scripture. Uh, if you have your Bibles, please go to Deuteronomy chapter 8. There's a passage of scripture that we, we just said, look, we're going to have to hold tight to this. We're going to have to hold tight uh, to this uh, when, we, when we get there. Uh, Deuteronomy 8, uh, Moses is speaking to the Israelites uh, who are getting ready to go into the promised land. They've been slaves. They've been wandering for 40 years, uh, trusting every, every, around every bend and what God was going to provide, how God was going to take care of them. And they're getting ready to go into the promised land, a, a land that was going to blow their minds so Moses kind of gives this, 
this epic speech. He says, look, when you have more, are you going to keep trusting in God? Are you going to continue to, obedient, to be obedient to the commands of God? We're going to start uh, in verse 6, where it says this. Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in obedience to him and revering him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with brooks and streams and deep springs gushing out into the valleys and the hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil, and honey, a land where bread will not be scarce, and you will lack nothing. You will lack nothing. Kind of sounds like we live in a good land, doesn't it? We do. We do. We live in a good land where we lack nothing. Now, let me be clear real quick. Uh, living in Puerto Rico, we, we had... We had plenty. Uh, we, were, we were supported by the, the churches uh, from Virginia all the way up to Indiana, and, uh, and we really were blessed. We had a little tiny 700-square-foot apartment. Uh, it, you know, we had one vehicle. Um, you know, I rode my bicycle most anywhere and everywhere uh, that, we, that we went. But we were holding on to this passage because we knew that in coming back here, we were going to have more. We knew our house would be larger. We knew that we were going to have two vehicles. Uh, we knew uh, that just stores alone, um, sporting events, concerts, you know, there's just going to be a lot more here that we're going to be able to, to have uh, and take in. And you know how it is. Bigger house, what's that typically mean? More stuff, right? I mean, it's just what we do. Uh, we, we end up going, man, that, that room used to be kind of empty. What happened all of a sudden? It is very, uh, it's very full. Um, we knew that in coming back, the more that we had, it was going to be easier to be focused on the more, on the stuff. And it's very easy to stop thinking about God. Stop, it's very easy to stop thinking about his blessings, trusting in him, knowing that we can just go and get anything and everything that we need at any given time. So Moses says to the people, observe his commands, walk in obedience with him. Revere him. Honor him. Why? Why should we do those things? Because you will lack nothing. Nothing. Uh, we have a very good friend. Her name is Jill Shaw. She's a missionary in New Zealand. And what she's doing in New Zealand is just remarkable. And, uh, and, and Jill uh, is, is known for saying, I'm not saying this is original with her, but, but I've heard it from from her several times, uh, but she's um, known for saying that it's, it's options that make us wealthy. Uh, because a lot of times we will look at uh, people on TV or, or movie screen or, or athletes, and we look at them and think about their bank accounts, and we're just like, man, I just, you know, I'm not doing that great. <laughs> you know, uh, we start thinking in terms of if I just had more, then I would be better off. And she says, no, it's options that make you wealthy. Uh, he's going to have us a little lunch this afternoon, right? After, after church. Uh, probably be some options there, right? If we weren't having that, as you were leaving, you may even use a, a phrase like, a, where 
do you want to go eat? You might have watched TV last night and said, oh, I'm not going to watch in the living room. I'm going to go watch in the other room, right? We have options. Options makes us wealthy. I think about the grocery stores here compared to when we were living in Puerto Rico. And, and uh, so in Puerto Rico, we, when we'd go cereal aisle, I mean, we had three or four options of cereal, okay? Uh, let's be real. I mean, how many options of cereal? I mean, cereal here in the grocery store here do we have? It's unreal, okay? Pop-Tarts. I mean, they'd come up with some crazy stuff with Pop-Tarts. Potato chips. We would go to the grocery store. We'd have a little get-together with friends, and we're like, okay, we'll get the chips. And we had the off-brand, the classic Lay's, or the nacho cheese Doritos, and that's what we had. And I will never forget the day that I walked into a grocery store in Puerto Rico, and there was a bag of Cool Ranch Doritos sitting there. And I love, I love some Cool Ranch Doritos. And I'm telling you, I saw that bag sitting there, and it was almost like everything else just got bright around me, and angels started singing, praise God from whom all blessings. I'm telling you, I was fired up, and I had some cool, I mean, I think I grabbed three or four bags of, of Cool Ranch Doritos, just cleaned them out. Didn't see them again for several years, but... Cleaned them out in that moment. I was so excited. We would come in and visit family, and we would go to the grocery store, and we'd walk down the aisle, and we would stand there. I'm just here for chips. But which ones do I grab? There are so many. Living in the United States of America, we should be the most grateful people anywhere in this world. But I think you'll agree with me uh, when it seems like sometimes it's the opposite. Seems like it's the opposite. We want more. We want more. We want more. We want faster. We want newer. We want more. And we often find, and maybe you haven't thought about this. I want you to think about this. We often find that the very things that God has blessed us with are often the things that pull us away from God. The very things that he has blessed us with are the things that pull us with the things that uh, say, I don't have to think about God. I don't have to trust in God because I have this. Sometimes we even get mad at him when we don't have that. Start questioning him when we don't have that. Uh, I have a, a very good friend, Anyway uh, Mupasewa. Anyway was born and raised in Zimbabwe, Africa. Uh, I've known Anyway for probably, know, probably about 10, 11 years now. And uh, in Zimbabwe, Africa, anyway, uh, he did not have a pair of shoes until he was 12 years old. Uh, just grew up in a very extremely poor uh, village. Uh, anyway, came to Puerto Rico uh, to speak at a retreat for our, our kids about seven years ago. And uh, so we had a couple of days before the retreat started, and he had never been in the ocean. And so I wanted to take him to the beach so he could get into the ocean for the first time in his life. Uh, taking a, a, a kid from Africa who used to play in the, the river with his, with his friends, and they would have to watch for alligators and hippos to go and get into the ocean. It was just really a, a fun, cool experience to watch him. And as we were driving down there, uh, to the beach, we, as we were driving along the river, uh, we passed uh, this, this huge mansion right on the beach. I mean, back door walks out into the sand, a huge mansion. And I'm driving, and, uh, and when I saw it, I, I, did, I did one of these. Oh, you ever done one of those? Oh, my very American mindset said, oh. And anyway, with his Zimbabwean mindset growing up in poverty 
humbled me quite a bit uh, when he said, some people think they're going to live forever. Some people think that they are going to live forever. And as he said that, he ended up quoting Psalm 49, 16, and 17. It says, do not be overawed. Do not be overawed when others grow rich, when the splendor of their houses increase, for they will take nothing with them when they die. Their splendor will not descend with them. Very humbling to have a friend like that that will speak truth to you like that, to make you think differently because you and I, we live in a good land, a land of plenty. And sometimes, sometimes it takes seeing another part of the world or it takes seeing somebody who is, has given their life to, to missions for us to kind of wake up a little bit and go, wow, maybe I need to think differently. How do I attach to this? How do I become part of this? How do I, in some way, serve them? Because it changes us. It changes us. And we need uh, to be changed. We need that. Uh, so real quick, before we keep moving on, I want to give you a little glimpse of what it was like, what we kind of felt living in Puerto Rico, living on the mission field. And again, I want to say, Puerto Rico was a five-hour flight from Chicago. You don't need a passport. Okay, you use the U.S. dollar. Uh, we had friends down there. We had family that came and visited. But I'm going to tell you, the thing I want you to know about living on the mission field, number one, is it's lonely. Can I be real with you? It's lonely. Uh, we had wonderful friends, wonderful friends, people that we did daily community with, okay? Uh, people that we still talk to regularly. But it's lonely. You leave your mom and dad. You leave your brothers and sisters. You leave your cousins and your best friends and the people that you grew up with. You leave your home church. Uh, you, you leave a lot of the things that you were so used to and that you loved. Um, I remember being there and all my buddies that I was in college with, they're all doing ministry together at different places, and I'm down there. And it's lonely. It was lonely. And this isn't a pity party. This isn't a woe is me. I'm just being real with you. Because I'm speaking on behalf of anybody that's felt God call them to, to go somewhere else. To be a part of a different culture, where the food is different, where the language is different, where everything that you take part in is not what you were used to growing up. It's lonely. And I'll never forget, uh, we one day, uh, oh goodness, I, I, I write these stories down and try to think about dates. And I, maybe it was 10 years ago, I don't know what it was. And we, we got a package in the mail. It's a little, just a little box taped like crazy because they were worried about sending something down to Puerto Rico. And, and we go, it was from a church in Virginia and we had opened it up and it had like some dental floss, a little tiny toothpaste, a toothbrush. And we kind of laughed. We were like, we can, like, we can get this at the store right down there. But it had cards handwritten from people in church, people, some that we knew, some that we didn't had pictures of kids in the youth group. And we just started crying because we felt noticed. It felt like somebody said, I see you down there. You're not alone. We are on your team. We felt noticed. Um, we would send newsletters to, to all of our supporting churches and supporters all the time. 
and, and kind of give them an update of what was going on and uh, what was happening. And I'm going to tell you, it, it's surprising, okay? It's surprising the number of times that we spoke at churches about what was going on in Puerto Rico. We would, we would come to a church, and sometimes it would be the missions director, or sometimes it would be an elder, or sometimes it was even the preacher. We'd walk in, and they'd walk up and go, ah, missionaries are here, and they'd come to shake our hand. They'd say, so how's things down in Costa Rica? Go, uh, Puerto Rico. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and and I, I'm, I would always wonder, did they read the newsletter <laughs> that they asked for? <laughs> Uh, did, they, did they really? Here's what I, I challenge you to do. Here's what I challenge you to do. Uh, when you do get a newsletter, dive into it. Highlight it. Underline it. Email. Ask questions. Let them feel noticed. Let them know that in the busyness of reaching out to these people uh, for Jesus, for them to step away after a very long day and sit down at a computer and have to spend several hours trying to come up with this, this newsletter and, and make it look nice and, and ha, you know, spend the money on printing it and, and mailing it and all these things. Or maybe, maybe it's just email nowadays. But uh, let them know. Let them know that, that, you, uh, that you noticed it because it goes a long way for those living on the mission field. Number two, the other thing I want you to know is that living on the mission field is exhilarating. Yes, it's lonely, but it's exhilarating. Man, we loved it. We loved it when people would come visit because we got to, to share the culture and the food and the people and all the things with them. It's exhilarating. And that's why I tell you, become a part of the mission. Whoever you support, become a part of it. And I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to ask you this. If you look at the budget and you say, financially right now, we can't take on somebody else, somebody overseas or wherever, Here's what I'm asking you to do. Write into them and just say, can we start receiving your newsletters? We, we wish we could support you financially. We can't right now. But I'm going to tell you right now, we are going to be a church that will pray over you guys. We are a church that will pray over this newsletter. We will pray for your needs. We will pray for this. And if, and if we can ever get to a point where we can provide, we're going to do it. Because it, it's not just about sending money. You know how many of these places just need somebody to say, I am praying for you daily. And maybe it's an email of a prayer. Maybe it's a phone call, if that's even possible, just to say, hey, look, I just want to pray for you real quick. You can get to know them even when you're not supporting them financially. Um, I, I told people all the time, don't just be a monthly check. Because they want to share. It's exhilarating. They're there, and they want to share the mission with you. They want to share what Christ is doing with you. It is exhilarating. We live, you and I, we live in a good land where we lack nothing. And that has given us the opportunity to do what God has called us to do when it comes to um, supporting, uh, praying, giving, uh, to those either right here in our own land or those overseas as well. So what attitude towards missions uh, does God desire from us? Uh, Galatians chapter 2, you don't have to turn there. I'm just going to read something really quickly. Uh, the Apostle Paul, uh, he's 
just showed up on the scene uh, with, uh, with the church, and, and he's been the one that people are kind of leery of. They're going, wait a minute, he was persecuting the church. What's going on? And as he got around Peter, James, and John, and they were talking about the church and what this was going to look like, uh, they simply said this. He said, all they asked, verse 10 of Galatians 2 says, all they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. The very thing I was eager to do. This is, a, this is a man that his life was changed because he encountered Jesus. And he said, I am eager to remember the poor. I am eager. We are eager for a lot of things in this great land that we live in. We are eager for a lot of things. Some of you are eager for me to wrap this up so you can get a, get a nap before the Bears play this afternoon. Right? We're eager for a lot of things. And I, I think we start praying for the, the, the heart of Paul that says, I want to be eager to remember the poor. I want to be eager to help and to bless those who have struggled, those with less than. What are you eager for? What are you eager for? Uh, in, in Matthew chapter 26, uh, there's, a, there's a lady that has been pouring very expensive perfume on Jesus' head as, as he's with his disciples. And Peter speaks up. Well, it doesn't say Peter. I always assume it's Peter because he's the loud one that always would speak up. <laughs> but one of the disciples speaks up and he says, wait a minute, what, why are you wasting this very expensive perfume? This could be sold at a high price and be given to the poor. We could sell this at a high price and give it to the poor. He's eager. He's eager to take care of the poor. And Jesus' response is kind of, kind of cool, uh, kind of unique, maybe a little bit not what he was expecting. And Jesus said, the poor you'll always have with you. The poor will always be in the land, but you will not always have me. Okay? And so in that moment, all right, in that moment, he's basically saying, hey, hey Peter, calm down. What's happening here needs to happen. Okay? But there's something that Jesus is telling Peter in that phrase that he tells him. The poor you'll always have with you. Okay? Peter, in hearing that, would have immediately jumped all the way back to the book of Deuteronomy. All right? Let me, let me try something here with you, okay? Help me out. I need you to, to I'm going to say a phrase, and I just need you to, to finish it, if you will. Okay? Don't be shy. I'm going to say a phrase. I just need you to finish it. An apple a day... You knew that. I, I, I just said the, the first little phrase. An apple a day, and you knew, keeps the doctor away. Whether that's true or false, we've said it forever, right? That's just, we've just known that. It's ingrained in us. So when, when Jesus says to Peter, there's always poor in the land. The poor you'll always have with you. He, he, he's reminding Peter of Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 11. It says, the poor, the, the, there will always be poor people in the land. Therefore, I command you to be open-handed towards the poor and needy in the land. When, when, when Peter would have heard, there will always be poor in the land, or the poor will always be with you, he immediately was able to finish that in his mind as Jesus is saying, right now, this woman's doing a good thing by pouring this perfume on me. But I'm telling you, don't, don't lose that eagerness. Don't lose that passion for the poor, because there will always be poor. So be open-handed. That's a command. That's a command. 
And I believe Peter walked out of that. And, and you go read the book of Acts. He continued that. He continued to be open-handed towards the poor uh, because of what, what Jesus said. There will always be poor in the land. Yes, there will be. That's, that's just, that's just going to happen, which gives us a wonderful opportunity to be open-handed, to find ways to help, to find ways to bless, to find ways to reach out and help our brothers and sisters in Christ all around this world. I, uh, I was in Haiti um, three years ago. Lindsay and I went in 2011. Uh, we have very good friends uh, with Haitian Christian Outreach uh, down in uh, Perido, Haiti. Um, and, and our hearts ache for, for Haiti all the time. If, if you have seen the news in the past couple of weeks, I mean, uh, in all of, uh, of my trips down there, never once did I feel uh, unsafe. Uh, but with the death of the president back in July, uh, gangs are taking over Haiti like, like crazy. If you have not, if you don't know what I'm talking about when I say to see the news, 17 U.S. missionaries uh, were kidnapped recently down in Haiti. Uh, and we were, just, we were just talking about that. And as we were praying for them, just, just trying to wrap your mind around, you know, being at home, knowing that your, your family, somebody in your family is kidnapped, you know, and... and uh, it's, it's such a scary thought, but uh, in my times in Haiti, uh, I, I found just a, a strong peace about being there. Uh, just, it, it's poverty like you could never experience. Um, but I, I had uh, some, some pretty significant things that happened that, that really changed my life. Uh, one of them was I went one time and my suitcase never showed up. Uh, which was kind of cool, uh, because uh, then you, when you have to borrow underwear from the missionary all week, things get a little bit awkward. Um, but I remember that next morning, taking my Bible, because I had my backpack, and so I had my Bible, and I, I got up early as the sun was rising, and I went out to the field where there's this beautiful mountain I just couldn't stop staring at. And I was reading my Bible in Matthew 6, and I remember when it says, do not worry about what you're going to wear. Hits you a little bit different when you're in Haiti and you have no clothes, you know. Uh, and and it's just very humbling. And, and I, two years ago when I preached here, I told you a story about a man named Teot who didn't have uh, legs and, and didn't have fingers. And, and he lost his house in a hurricane and Haitian Christian Outreach built him a very, and when I say a house, I'm telling you, I mean, it's, it, it's smaller than the stage. It's four walls and a thatched roof is all it was. Um, but he had the biggest smile on his face you know, he, he might have maybe, maybe a can of soup a day as a meal. And it's the biggest smile on his face uh, because of what God has done for him in his life and the way that uh, the, the mission had, had helped him and blessed him. Um, but uh, the, the other thing that I want to share with you that really hit me hard. Haitian Christian Outreach has nine churches that they have planted on uh, the island. It's just a remarkable ministry uh, of what's going on down there. Um, they have four schools that they, they, they have started. And they have a medical clinic uh, where they are doing, they have you know, two operating tables in there. It's the largest medical clinic outside of Port-au-Prince, and they're about a four-hour drive from Port-au-Prince. And um, uh, Lindsay and I helped build the foundation for the mission house down there. The one trip, we were able to um, get the, uh, those, those huge lights for the doctor to kind of you know, grab and pull down close uh, to the patients. Uh, we got them installed on, on one trip. It's really incredible um, the things that I've seen take place down there. Uh, but we were at church uh, that Sunday morning, and, uh, and it, was, it was just slam-packed. There, was just, there, wasn't, there wasn't any more seats, and the church was very small, very, very small. Uh, open air, um, but there was this, this ditch that had been dug around the church. Uh, 
you know, a lot of space. And so we were, afterwards we were out and we were having some lunch and, and we were with the missionary and the preacher of the church and, and the, the preacher did not speak English, um, but the missionary was translating. And I asked the question, I said, um, I said, well, what's it, you know, what's the, di- the, the, the ditches for? And they said, oh, well, that's where we want to start building a new building. We want to start expanding because we've outgrown this. We're growing so fast, we've outgrown this. And I said, well, what, what would, what's it cost to, for this project? What's it cost for you to want to do this? $40,000. And it broke me. I'm going to be real with you. It broke me, church. Because I believe that they should have had that building the next day. Uh, any, any church, uh, I, I believe, um, could easily provide for a church to be built for $40,000. Uh, I've, I've been around churches that have, that have grown and gotten larger in new buildings, and, and we know these are, these are million-dollar things, right? It's where we live. We understand that. But to, to down there, for them to only need $40,000, and they have at this point. That was three years ago. They have built a new church, a larger church, and they're still growing. Uh, but that just messed me up so bad that... To them, 40000 was the millions. And to us, the 40000 probably was, well, why don't we pray about this, and why don't we just do it? Um, sometimes we get so caught up in just thinking about ourselves and what we have right there in front of us and our stuff that we miss huge opportunities for the kingdom of God to be growing. People uh, coming to Christ like crazy in some of these other uh, countries. Uh, Paul writes to, to Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 6. He says, command those who are rich in this present world, the ones who have options, right? He says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor put their hope in wealth, uh, which is so uncertain, uh, but put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation in the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that truly is life. It truly is life. It's command. Be generous. Be willing to share. Be open-handed. Um, there's, a, there's a man, a great mentor of mine, passed away about six, seven years ago, uh, Lewis Hall. Uh, Dad, you've known Lewis probably, you know, forever. Um, and Lewis, uh, out of Virginia, uh, was um, a missionary in Grenada, a, a small island, uh, eight miles by 21 miles. And he invited uh, me and a few others down for a VBS and a dental clinic. And, uh, and so I went two separate occasions down there. And uh, we were sitting after church uh, one Sunday, and Lewis uh, was, was talking uh, with one of the elders of the church. And again, these are very poor people. Do not have running water. Uh, they laugh when we mention uh, indoor bathrooms. Um, and Lewis was talking with this elder uh, who worked you know, at a, a small restaurant, uh, didn't have much, was just trying to provide for his family. And, and he said, we were talking about giving. We were talking about you know, how do we bless the mission? How do we give? And, so, and Lewis called the elder over and he said, he said hey, um, tell them what I told you. Tell them what I told you when I, when I asked you to start giving 
to the church. And the elder started laughing. He was like, the, the, 10% just blew his mind. Having nothing, 10% blew his mind to even think of letting go of. And he said, well, he said, Lewis told me, he said, I want you to commit one year, one year to giving 10% to the church. And he said, if ever in that one year you go without, you struggle, I will pay back every single penny to you. And this elder, a very poor man, told us this story. And Lewis said, well? And he goes, and I didn't ask for anything back. And he goes, God has richly blessed me. This man laid a foundation, laid a foundation and took hold of what truly is life. It is by giving that we are changed. It is by giving that we trust. And it is commanded by God. So the passage, Deuteronomy 8, that Lindsay and I are holding on to, still hold on to today. I want to finish reading it uh, in closing. And it says this. When you have eaten, verse 10. I'm going to start in verse 10 here. It says, when you have eaten and are satisfied. <laughs> well, that's three or four times a day for us, right? <laughs> when you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. See, we, we, we pray a lot of times before we eat. Maybe we need to jump up and shout, praise God after we eat, right? God, thank you. Thank you that I have this. Praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, if you're not praising God, if all the stuff we have makes us forget God. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, when your herds and your flocks grow large and your silver and your gold increase, and all that you have is multiplied, your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God. That's such a scary verse for us today as we have so much, that it's easy to forget that it all came from him. And the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Verse 17, he says, You may say to yourself, um, but it's my power and my strength of my hands that have produced this wealth for me. But remember, the Lord your God, because it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. It's not from you. It's his anyway. And it is in giving. It is in blessing. It is in praying for that we are changed. That we are obedient to what he has called us to do. And it's our way of proving our faith and saying, I will not forget the Lord my God. Thank y'all. God. Man, oh man, Craig, thanks for bringing the word today to us. You know, um, it's a terrible thing for a preacher to get up and add anything to a fabulous message. But uh, Craig, it, it really struck a chord with me when you said that we, ah, oh, when we, ah, oh, over things, and we're, ah, oh, over the wrong things 
We will even try to impress each other with, hey, look at this. And, you know, you know heaven's not smiling. So I'm just going to read some. When Satan took Jesus upon the um, mountaintop, he said, uh, he said to him, all these things I will give you. Satan is talking to Jesus. All these things I'll give you if you, if you bow down and, ah, oh, me. And Jesus said to him, Go, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God only and serve him only in Matthew 6.33. But first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Seek. Seek his kingdom first. His kingdom. Then all these other things that you've been awing over all your life, that don't matter a hill of beans, you'll be taken care of. So the invitation is, won't you come and dedicate, dedicate the rest of your life? <sighs> Jesus. The judgment day is coming. And we'll stand before him embarrassed that we odd over the wrong things. Let's pray. Lord God, decisions will be made here this morning. I praise you, Father, in thanksgiving for the word today presented by Craig, the word that you gave him. I pray, dear God, for our missions team who loves you and loves missions. I pray for the church family that uh, we can spend less, less on the awe of this world and start awing your work and what you're doing in the world. And so I pray, dear God, today for those that would like to come and confess Christ's name and be baptized into him. I pray, dear God, for maybe some uh, young couple that would come and dedicate their lives to being missionaries, maybe somewhere in Kankakee County, but maybe in a foreign country, that you can receive all the glory and it not be about us. And so, dear God, forgive us of our sins. You tell us that you will use us when we re repent before you. Forgive us, dear God, that we have gloried, gloried in ourselves and we have put you second or third or tenth. And you will not accept that place. You have to be number one. So today, dear God, we're going to stand, we're going to sing, and we're going to make decisions. May we awe over you. In Jesus' name and for his sake, amen. Let's all stand.